0: Yeah, I think uh, a formal education will get you an average living and an informal education will make you wealthy. I think I've always believed that. You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutified podcast,
1: your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. It's an honor and a privilege that our first guest, who's not also my boss, is Ecom King Kamil Sitar, a benevolent, generous king at that. He puts out eras of content, aims to mentor a million entrepreneurs, and proves that going your way and following your intuition is a path to success unlike any other. We talk about his origins, what he's up to, and the work he's doing to shape the future of e-commerce. Let's get to it. Camille Sattar, it's good to have you here. I see that you're the e king. So my first question is, when did you become the e king, and was there a coronation ceremony?
0: Yeah, so I called myself the e-com king uh, last year in January. uh, And the reason why I did that was not to say that I'm the king of e-commerce. It was Mm -hmm. to say that I'm the king of creating content for e-commerce, if that makes sense. So, I clarify, I'm not saying I'm the king of e-commerce because I'm definitely not. But what I'm saying is with what content is currently out on there at the moment, I would say the content that I provide is probably king value content.
1: Mm-hmm. and um
0: off the top of your head what would you say are some of the uh, elements that uh, make it rise above the rest i think the quality control on my content i think there's a lot of other guys out there that will just throw anything out just to get views and stuff like that i make sure that the quality of my content is always top notch i'm not shy because i don't sell a paid course i'm not scared to just put it in my whole video and and be scared to be like oh i've not sold my course because i don't have one to sell so i'm not shy to show everybody everything i give people pdf files cheat sheets my videos on average are minimum 30 minutes long and my longest video goes up to 40, four hours and 40 uh, 40 minutes which is insane um so there's nobody else out there that does that kind of that kind of content really yeah i was going through your youtube and i think i saw that i think that was a live stream am i right Yeah, so I've got my live streams are always an hour long and I do those twice a month and nobody else in the industry does that. Uh, And then I've got a free course on Shopify dropshipping, which is four hours, 40 minutes. And then I've got a free print on demand course, which is around about three hours and 50 minutes. Um, So all my videos (laughs) are quite long, dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean,
1: I can recall, like I've been doing podcasting media stuff for 10 years and like the majority of the stuff that I've done is free. uh, And then the second largest majority is stuff that I've done so cheap that it was basically charity anyways. And I think a lot of people are reluctant to put out that kind of content because they think, well, if you're gonna put something out, you gotta get something back, right? You gotta, you gotta get money out of it. And maybe they don't recognize the value proposition. So to those people, what would you say is the, uh, the value to you, even if it's just contributing to the net good?
0: Yeah. So the value that I get in return is brand recognition, recognition. I think human's Die for recognition and that's something that i've always wanted i want recognition for the for what i'm doing and changing people's lives as well is a feeling that money can't give you when somebody messages you and if you follow my instagram you'll see me every day post and people message me saying camille your free contents made me this much money this much money changed my life and that kind of feeling it gives you the endorphins is is, is crazy mm-hmm. dude
1: oh yeah i I, uh, I believe that too and a lot of it too is is um rewards over time. You know, I still remember a lot of the sacrifices that I had to make to uh, get into my my media side. And even if it didn't pay off right away, where I am now is so far ahead of the game that it's this constant endorphin rush of, yeah, you know, I, I crossed those thresholds. But anyways, this isn't about me. So first thing I did was uh, I scanned your interview with us on Debutify because I wanted to make sure if I ended up asking something that you've been asked el- elsewhere, it wasn't at least also by Debutify. So what I read from the interview is that you were starting to uh, defer away from the typical path. You weren't enjoying school. Uh, your day job wasn't satisfying. And me, I'm not, I wasn't a fan of school either. Like there was a couple of classes. There was a couple of teachers that I enjoyed. Uh, art was a haven for me, but overall I, I don't have a good takeaway of school. So uh, I would like to hear more about your experience. Um, was there anything in school you enjoyed or what was your, uh, your overall uh, takeaway from school?
0: Yeah, so school for me wasn't something that I enjoyed because I was dyslexic, so I always found it hard to learn things and I was always the slowest person in the class to learn something. Um, and my teachers just didn't really have that feel for me where I feel like teachers, especially the ones that I learned from, they only like teaching the students that were easy to teach and they were quick to learn things. And the ones that are slow, they're like, oh, they're hard work, so I don't want to spend too much time mm-hmm. with them. So I just got left behind completely. Um, and I always I had a rich family member um, who who had an amazing lifestyle. And I thought, wow, I want to be like him. And I realized that he doesn't work a job. He employs people instead. So I thought maybe that's what I need to do to get to where I need to be. So from a very early age, I've sort of seen that been around it. And that's kind of what influenced me to get to where I am now. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't uh, just from I, I do as much research as I can, but I, I didn't know uh, that uh, you were uh, dyslexic. My, my partner, she, um, she has a, a disability as well. Not that it's my time or place to delve into that detail, but school can be notorious for trying to appeal to the lowest common denominator and uh, other people are left somewhat uh, fending for themselves. Um, whatever condition I have, it hasn't been discovered by science yet, but there was certainly something that was making it hard for me to uh, survive in school. Uh, honestly, like a lot of the, and I think you might agree with me on this is that a lot of the stuff that if people aren't really doing well in school, it's because they have a inclination to teach themselves. And I can say that for myself. I, a lot of what makes me valuable today is self-taught, but, um, what do you, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, a formal education will get you an average living and an informal education will make you wealthy. I've always believed that.
1: So you made your first million when you were nineteen years old, right? I got my facts right on yeah, that. Yeah. So in
0: right in, in revenue, yeah, it okay. was uh, okay. it was when I'm nineteen years old. So I've not actually net profited a million just quite yet. Okay. Okay. Good to have that clarification. Now, me, I'm I'm thirty. Uh,
1: I'm I'm neither a millionaire in net or in revenue. Uh, and every sensible person listening right now knows better than to think it happened overnight. Um, but. I suppose technically there was a moment between having a million in revenue and having 999,000. So what did it feel like when you crossed
0: that threshold? Yeah, so when I hit my first million in revenue, it was like, wow, this has just happened. Like I'm technically classed as a seven figure business. And it's like only the best of the best do things like that. And it makes you think like, whoa, I've, I've achieved something that only the top percent of people achieve and it makes me feel like, even with all my problems coming up, getting into trouble, not being at school, good at school, not being the most cleverest person um, and to be able to do something that the people with the best grades have, can't do is like, oh my God. And and growing up being uh, being told that I wasn't able to do it, my brother was always the one that was deemed to be the most successful and to be able mm-hmm. to prove everybody wrong, it's just, it, it's a feeling of no other. Mm-hmm. So um, I might need to rephrase this
1: question, because I just want to make sure that I'm asking it uh, optimally. But um, as you say, you know, your your grades didn't weren't a reflection of uh, the best grades in, the, in class. Uh, but obviously, you had to have something to get you to cross those many thresholds, uh, including to where you are now. So uh, can you hone in on anything you think that really made you stick out and, and, and give it a go?
0: Yeah, so technically I, I failed everything. Like on one of my YouTube videos, I even post my grades on, on, on the screen. I failed everything. In the UK, it was classes of fail. So uh, I didn't get any grades at all. Mm-hmm. Now, what made me special compared to other people is my work ethic, never giving up. Um, and, and there's a saying that there's a saying one of my mentors taught me, which is when talent doesn't work, hard work only works. So he was telling me that like, look, it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you're not willing to be hardworking, then it'll never work. And I feel like, That's what did it for me, being able to do what most people can't do purely because they give up when I don't give up was really the reason why I'm successful. And when I want to do something I get very addictive and like Mm -hmm. I just really like I just I don't know what how to explain it, but I just have that thing and I'm like, I can't let it go unless I've got it. So it just always like deems upon me. Like if I go to bed and I haven't done it, it will deem upon me before I go to sleep and I can't sleep. So it's like that really crazy manifestation, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. where it just makes me think, damn, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. And it doesn't matter how, but I will do it. Mm -hmm. It's a compulsion.
1: Yeah. See, I, I I get that too, but there's this, there's this process where a lot of the stuff, I mean, I've, my track record is like, okay, I've gotten some stuff done, some stuff, not so much, but. At first, there is that initial momentum where things can be very exciting, and that's when all the, the dopamine and the adrenaline uh, all starts coming in. And then what I notice is that the, the high that I first get is com- comparable to the, the low, which is that struggle point. Uh, does that sound familiar to you? And if so, how did you get past it?
0: Yeah, dude, when when the excitement and the motivation goes, then it makes you think, wow, like it makes you want to give up now and again. And the way to get around it for me personally is to always think short-term, the short-term gains you want to get out of it, but also to think about something that's not you. So I always think about my kids and I don't even have kids yet, but mm-hmm. I always think about mm-hmm. when I do have kids, what would they expect from me in terms of what I'm doing now? Do they want me to be lazy and not do it? Or do they want me to get the work done so I can give them a good life? And I think that deep. I, I I do that too uh, I don't I don't have uh, kids
1: yet either um, my partner and I were we, we've agreed on one but you never know these things, you know, <laughs> things change up uh, I've, i but I, I I agree with you on that and it's not just about um, my kids too it's also about my future self this was a, a revelation that I had probably like a week and a half ago really where I I was asking myself, what do I need to do to motivate myself in the day? And I can either take a loan from my future self and make things harder, or I can invest in myself today and make things easier for my future self so that when today comes, I'm, I'm thanking myself. And it's everything, it's getting good sleep, it's diet, it's planning things out, it's doing all these things for the person that I'm gonna be when I wake up. And, and really, yeah, same goes for my kid. Um, not, not that uh, they exist yet. Uh, what would you, have you Have you thought about what you want to name your kids? I know it's not exactly Econ, but I, for me, I would, I would yeah, name my
0: daughter so Amelia. Yeah, so me and my partner have agreed on what we want to name some of the kids. So mm-hmm. uh, for mm-hmm. a boy, he would be called zahir and for a girl, it would be called Ruma. Oh, lovely. Uh, I haven't figured out boy yet, but for girl, I wanted to go with
1: Amelia. That's really nice. Yeah. It's, it, may not, it, may, it may be the name of a singer of a rock band I really like. Anyways, as you were uh, going about things your own way, I I, I kind of know the answer to this question already because you did bring it up, but I just wanted to restate it in case maybe there's a, a detail. Um, you got pushback from your family and your friends and your peers. And uh, can you elaborate on how that either might have uh, pushed you f- more towards achieving your goal or uh, did it ever feel like an obstacle that was a little too hard to get over? Because that's a lot. I mean, it's not just the institution, right? It's not just school. It's not just um, the workplace. It's not just the state, but it's all the, the dwellers within the state. And they are people that we love and they're trying to compel us to do things a certain way. Yeah. So
0: like like I said, throughout my whole journey, I had my mom, my dad, my brother, uh, and I love them all and they, the, and, and they love me. But when going through my journey they were like look cam it's not working you're not making any money you should quit get a proper job like i've always told you when i needed something off my brother like to borrow his laptop because he had a laptop at the time and i never Mm -hmm. i was like can i borrow it he was like no get your own and obviously he knows that i can't afford one so why would you say that so it's like people can't even give you a lend in hand even when they're your own blood and flesh and it's like wow that's not great um and the way it affected me was like you know what i can't wait for the day where you're going to start asking me for help or you're going to start asking me to borrow things from me and, and then I can borrow them you and to show you that that's how you should have treated me mm-hmm. Uh, when I was asking you for that for those things. So it really did. And I always said that diamonds are made because of pressure. So because of all the pressure that I got, it made me what I am today. Like people making out that I couldn't do it. People saying that like all of this stuff is very rare. You have to be lucky. All of my family said, look, the people that make all the money are lucky. And I'm thinking if it's all luck, then, then that's just a load of nonsense because these people are just very talented uh, and they've got something unique about them. And I feel like all the all all the controversial things that people have said to me have i've kind of like i said pressured me into being the best of the best mm-hmm. yeah i mean one thing
1: that i can say about luck uh, i have a a really good friend of mine we play a lot of games together and he's a he's a twitch streamer so gaming is like basically his profession and he he relates his success to luck but what i notice about it is that he is a mechanical master he understands the functions he understands the form he understands the mechanics he will make sure that his skill set is a, as good as it could possibly be or better than the needs of the game. And what it does is it opens him up to luck. It gives him more opportunity to capitalize on the luck, because I think we all get luck. Luck like will will cycle through each individual person, but you have to do the hard work and you have to be ready to uh, to optimize
0: on that luck. Yeah, 100%. I always say to people that there's definitely an element of look into things, but unless you go looking for that luck, then it'll never find you. So those people have to understand that.
1: Excellent. All right. So on your e-commerce mentoring website, it says your goal is to empower 1 million million e-commerce entrepreneurs and startups for success. Um, This question is in two parts. How far along are you and why a million?
0: Yeah, so I'm not going to lie. I don't know how far we are on track because I've not calculated all the data yet. And to calculate all that data would take some time. But I'd say we're probably... A quarter way in and that might sound like oh my god that's not that much, but for doing it only for the last two years, I think being a quarter way in is, is 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 not bad at all. Um now I might be wrong with saying a quarter, but from the numbers I've seen, the people that I've seen message me and stuff, um, the kind of views I've got on my videos, if people take that take that information into consideration, it could be close to maybe five, ten, fifteen percent. Um and I forgot what the second part was, sorry. Oh um well, why? Uh, was there anything significant about a million? Yeah, so the reason why I picked a million is because I feel like if you do one million people, it will stand out as a legacy. So I feel like if you change a million people's lives, then you're guaranteed some form of legacy where even when you pass away, someone will still remember who you are for some reason. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you said you made it a quarter of the way,
1: speculatively speaking. Um, my my gut reaction is, wow, 250000 I mean, when you think about how much impact one store could have, that doesn't sound insignificant uh, to me.
0: Yeah, and when I mean impact, I don't mean making lots of money, but putting people on the right track to then making lots of money. And mm-hmm. what I mean is, putting people in that financial vehicle where it can make them uh, financially free, it can retire their future kids and stuff. I'm not about letting people know about, look, not doing a day job because a day job's a short-term solution, but getting people on the long-term route to making massive success and massive changes. Uh, That's what I mean by impacting people. Mm I also just realized I actually haven't talked to
1: my girlfriend yet about naming my daughter Amelia, so I got to make a note of that. Anyways, so <laughs> I come from a uh, I come from a performer's background. Um, I, I did stand up comedy for a couple of years, which is nice because I just made you laugh, so you can believe me. Um, I, I've seen what it's like for performers to outweigh the audience. Like there would be like three people saying these are the most miserable people in a in a what's supposed to be a comedy show, and that meanwhile there's like twenty performers all getting up, all doing their time, and it was, I I think some countries uh, use it as a form of torture. It it wasn't so much the abundance of performers, but that was part of the problem, Uh, but it was also a scarcity of the audience. And the reason why I'm breaking this up is because I've had this concern kind of nagging in the back of my head of a situation where the buyers outweigh the sellers. So to form this as a question is, what would be your idea of a healthy e-commerce ecosystem?
0: Yeah, so I feel like the way that, I think the way with the population being, I think the the population boom is still happening like crazy now even with even with coronavirus um, you're still having loads of people making more of a population so I feel like in terms of buyer to seller ratio I don't think we need to be too worried because I feel like there's not there isn't going to be enough people to say look you know what I want to get into being a manufacturer I want to get into being a seller I just don't feel like that's going to be uh, a thing because I feel like people are too stuck in their own ways of just doing what they're doing which is working their day jobs so I don't feel like that should be a problem in the future mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's fair. So you, uh, you've you got your mentoring program. Um, one of
1: the things that stuck out to me in the mentoring program, and I don't want to make you like, divulge the whole thing. I think if people want to know more about it, they can go to the website. Uh, But I have a specific question. Um, For instance, you have uh, the region-specific mentors. For instance, one of them is in North America. And my initial speculation was that this has a lot to do with time zones so that people in the different areas can uh, better coordinate with the people they want to mentor in those areas. but i'm wondering is there more to it than that does it also have to do with uh, cultural distinctions and region distinctions
0: oh yeah distinctions? massively i'm i'm so happy you mentioned the word culture then because it's definitely down to culture behavior laws and everything like that. I'm in the UK, so I don't know how, what and every state's different. I don't know how America does certain things. I don't understand America culture. Funny enough, I admit, I visited New York in February, and when I got there, I was like, wow, people are so different. Mm-hmm. And what you would get away with saying in the UK, you wouldn't in the US and vice versa. So it's definitely down to a lot of culture, laws, and, uh, and other m- massive regulations mm-hmm. and stuff.
1: Well, I mean, I, I live in Canada, so I can give you um, one insight, which is uh, Canada is basically America wearing a helmet (laughs) Um, here's a follow-up question to your mentoring program is that what can a student do to be good for a mentor like what would be a what would be for instance like what would be a good category for learners to go with in terms of what products they want to get into so uh, how, how do students do their best to be good to the mentor
0: yeah so for a student to be a good mentee it's all about mindset and it's all about and I, and I honestly say this and i know a lot of people keep saying it mindset mindset but if we teach people and they're just they're not empowering they're not motivated they haven't got a reason to do the to do the mentorship and they just want to make and like like i said if the reason you do in the mentorship is just to make the money then there's no point even you doing it uh, the reason why you should do the mentorship is to better yourself as a person and educate yourself you shouldn't even think about the money you should think wow i'm gonna leave this learning so much that can then potentially make me lots of money i could go down there being a marketing expert and being and doing agency work for a marketing firm or i could do my own business like we've had people that come into our mentorship like i said that become and end up becoming marketing experts for marketing agencies we get people that do their own stores we get people that do loads of consultancy work so there's lots of reasons to do the mentorship but i feel like to be the best mentee come with an approach where you want to learn not just to to make the money, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you know.
1: I mean, I I will say it's it is somewhat understandable that um, there is a lot of money to be made. So I I think unless you want to be one of those off grid living persons who just makes paintings and doesn't share them with anybody, e- even me and I lean heavily into the arts. I'm still motivated somewhat by making money, but because I want to live the life that I want to live, like I want to have my own place, I want to be able to pay for my kids' education and, and all that stuff. So. I think money, I don't know about you, but it's, I think it's, it's, when viewed as a, partially as a resource, is one of the better ways to view it because it's always about what I'm capable of, what I can do to contribute with the money rather than, well, this is just something I want to hoard because I want it and I don't want other people to want it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like I said, definitely you, you, you want to do the mentorship as well to so obviously do earnings, but what i'm trying to like that's definitely the case you want you definitely want after six months to be starting to make some decent return on your investment Mm -hmm. of course i totally agree with that um but it's all about not going into that short-term mindset when you do enter the mentorship which is if i don't make a hundred thousand in my first month then i don't want to do it you know yeah i I agree with that
1: uh so i'm going to switch gears uh and won't be the last time i switch gears so as I go through, one of the things I try to do with these interviews and prospective guests, uh, you know, one thing to, for you guys to keep in mind the might you 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 to want to uh, join us on this podcast is I, I don't want to do an interview where I'm just like asking all the questions you've been asked already. So I try to build off of other interviews and other things that you've discussed. Uh, one of them was on SMS bump. Um, just to sum that up very briefly for people, it's a system that sends people text messages as a way to help uh, increase sales. Um, I I know that's a Very broad characterization of it, but I think I covered the basics. Uh, Your story was you had to warm up to its effectiveness, Uh, but once you saw what good it can do, you've certainly endorsed it uh, much more so. Uh, Curiously, I checked my phone to see if I had been getting many text messages regarding my online shopping, which I I do a fair amount of, Um, and I I haven't gotten any yet. So for me, this hasn't happened, Um, but I did notice I have a ton of texts from operations and companies, you know, like tracking numbers, or if I have a code that I need to enter to get into my Supercell account, stuff like that. Uh, Can you tell us uh, uh, your relationship with SMS Bump and uh, how you've been able to make such good use of it?
0: Yeah, so SMS bump, like you said, is just text message marketing. And the way I primarily use it for my stores is just basically send customers' abandoned cart uh, text messages sorry, saying, look, you've left something, here's a coupon code, why not buy it? And just to remind people that they've left it there and to try and taunt people towards it with, with, with obviously a coupon code. And that's pretty much it, really. Fair enough. There's one uh, a side of that that um,
1: comes from this whole, like... Uh I don't wanna say call anybody mice or mousetrap, but I really can't think of a better analogy where it's like you come up with a better mousetrap, they come up with a better mouse. So I think a lot of people might get into this position where they know, well, if I just leave the cart, I know I'm gonna get a text message telling me that, oh, well, you're gonna, here, here, here's the coupon code. Uh, is there anything you do to keep that those margins in mind? Like, are you keeping track of the savviness of your customers?
0: Yeah, so obviously you don't want to be sending text messages out straight away because obviously they might think, you know what, normally companies will send me a text saying, look, you'll get a coupon code, so why not do it with this one? So you, that's why you wait. That's why you put timers in place. That's why you set up behavioral um, targeting where it's all based on behavior as well. So those are the ways to get around that problem. Right on. All right, let's uh, shift to another gear. Uh, so I see you're a member of the Dropshipping Council,
1: um, a council that... of which is a recent creation. Uh, I actually just found out yesterday that it's officially partnered with uh, Debutify as the Debutify is gonna be the official Shopify theme. So, you know, go us. Um, my boss and occasional mentor, Ricky, he also owns that title. So my question is in two parts. Uh, the first is what role did you play in getting it going? And then secondly, what was this thing founded before or after COVID? Because it's a pretty short window of about two months before 2020 went nuts. Um, and I wanna know how much of a role COVID played like what would be different about the council if covid wasn't around
0: yeah i think that, uh, from what i know i'm not the, i'm not the person who owns it it's, it's another gentleman um who owns it based in canada uh vancouver who owns it and uh, he reached out to me and it, yeah it was after covid it was it was in the early mm-hmm. stages of covid and he just reached out to me saying look camille um I want to make a dropshipping council with the top leaders in there uh, where when we come across pandemics like this, we can come together, help each other out, work out the best strategies and and do it like that. And I feel like that's the, the, the whole pandemic really forced the council to become something because... A lot of people are panicking about the whole situation being a seller online um, and, and they and they expect us leaders to educate them on how to get around it. So if all the leaders, industry leaders come together and put their brains together then obviously they can find out the best ways of adapting and then that way the people that learn from those people will get the knowledge they need. So that's pretty much how the, the whole thing worked and my contribution to the council was I just kind of told the guy who owns it, these are the people that I'd recommend reaching out to because I know they're, they're good people and they're, they're they're not these idiots online um also that i feel like they're leaders and i think when becoming a part of a council it's about leadership so i feel like these people are leaders so go in and speak to them and i just said look dude if you're going to be doing the council you got to make sure that the people you're getting on board uh you, you do your your due diligence on them you do some very big checks on them uh, and that was kind of my contribution to the whole thing mm-hmm. and broad what would you say are the key objectives of the council Yes, the key objectives of the council, like I said, is just to make sure that all the industry leaders are connected together, brainstorming ideas together, sharing knowledge together, and make because at the end of the day, not one industry leader is better than the other at everything. Like there's there's certain leaders that are better. Like in the council, in the Slack chat, you've got Pinterest ads, Google ads, Bing ads, Facebook ads. Now, I would say I'm the expert Mm -hmm. on Facebook ads, but there's definitely there's gonna be somebody that's better than me at Pinterest ads because I don't do Pinterest. So it's about putting everybody's master brain in one place that's literally what it's about right on uh next up uh, i listened to your interview on
1: tech talks um and one of my takeaways from it is that you had this uh four-week breakdown for uh, how to fire up an e-commerce store in the wake of COVID 19. Um, the interview took place in april it's fairly relevant now, although I'm hoping the situation will change because there's this convention I go to in February. I'm going to miss it if I can't go to it. Um, although it is a podcasting convention, so I suppose we can just do it virtually, but it's not the same. Anyways, I will gladly recommend checking the interview out. Uh, we we'll, we can put a link to it. Uh, my question to you is, uh, what would you consider to be the fundamentals of starting an e-commerce store with or without a lockdown in place?
0: yeah so i think the fundamentals is number one what is your reason to do so like what is your purpose of starting this store what is it that you want to achieve in the marketplace that maybe another competitor isn't so for example me and my partner have just released our our own underwear collection and this has all been handmade from her so it's nothing you can find online it's all handmade by us ourselves and we wanted to get into the market because we feel like there's not lingerie that's comfy but also looks good and it doesn't fit all sizes and because You've got to remember everybody's body is completely different. So when these high street companies mm. design for everybody, they're designing not for everybody because everybody's different. So that's what we wanted to do. So that's just an example of when you start an e-commerce store, you want to start it because you've got a reason to do so. What What is it somebody else isn't doing that you feel like you can do better? Um, so that's one big fundamental. Number two is to make sure that you've got a logistical system in place because without logistics, then you've got nothing to do. Like You can't do anything unless you've got a solid logistics in place the next thing is to make sure that you've got a website that converts you need to make sure that it's a website where somebody comes on there you're going to get the most out of them whether it be an email whether it be a text message number whether it be something out of them Uh, and then the final piece of the pie is to make sure that you've got your advertising top quality advertising whether it be on facebook or something but they're the main fundamentals in my opinion Mm -hmm. now one thing that you mentioned a
1: second to me is uh, that this is uh, hand handmade so what I'm wondering about is how, uh, that would affect your, um, ability to scale. Uh, do, what are what are your, uh, your plans for the, uh, the, I could have asked this question better. What, how do you, how would you, uh, approach uh, something like this where you're, uh, going to be making things, um, in a more, uh, craft, uh, arts and crafts focus, uh, approach.
0: Yeah, definitely a great question because when you're doing things by hand, scalability is obviously a lot harder because it's more the the, the working hours, the actual handcrafting itself is a lot longer. So it's a great question. Now, if you look at all the companies that do handmade stuff, uh, whether it be handmade cars, whether it be handmade luxury goods, the way you scale it out is by obviously employing more people that are just as skilled as you. So it would be obviously employing more. Um, and then serving more people at the same time. And obviously you'd have to increase your margins to pay for those other people. So those are just a few ways that that, that could be done. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And I, I do notice, because I do a lot of uh, solo content too, and
1: one of the things I, I research is that the uh, the owners of Prada, are own, they own 80% of the company. And so they're also basically the originators of it. And so they have a lot of focus on it and they're very passionate about it. And so I think in that regard, as long as, because this is something important to you. You'll continue to be the main overseer of it.
0: Yeah, I think when you look at the shares in a company, I think the person that founded it needs to be at least minimum 70% in my eyes. Or, or, or you know what, in my opinion, as long as they're a majority shareholder, that in my in my opinion, that's really all that matters. Um, and and if, if they aren't, then there's a reason why they're just looking to make a bit of money quickly, right? Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. that's what I pretty much look at. Yeah, that's fair. So I've got uh, four questions left. These ones are a little bit more uh, rapid fire.
1: So we'll rifle through these and then I can let you go. I guess this is actually like a follow-up. Uh, I didn't mean for it to be a follow-up, but it works out anyways. Uh, any interest in opening a brick-and-mortar store?
0: Yeah, so you've answered your question there. So basically with no mark, the uh, lingerie company, it'll eventually turn into more of your high street brand like Victoria's Secret. So yeah, most definitely.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, next one is what kind of people do you personality trait wise do you tend to stay away from and what kind of people do you gravitate
0: towards so i gravitate to those alphas so i'm somebody that will just say it regardless if i hurt your feelings if i feel like it needs to be said because it's best in your scenario then i will i won't lie i'm just straight to the point so as long as you're straight to the point you don't bitch you're not there to hate on people you're there to serve people in an ethical way then that's all i care about but if you're somebody that just talks lots of rubbish hates on people you're not willing to grow because if you don't grow you're basically dying in my my thoughts uh, if you're not straight to the point you're not honest and and and, and whatnot then i don't really want to be around you you know mm-hmm.
1: yeah i asked that because like i've uh, I, tr- I try to be open-minded to lots of different personality types Like I've, I've had a couple of people in my life that were overly negative and they excused their, frankly, abusive behavior by saying, well, I'm just honest. I'm just trying to get to the point. I'm not saying that's you, but there is definitely a line between like, it's, it's compassionate to be honest with people and it's compassionate to be straightforward because if you're not, then you're just doing them a disservice down the line anyways.
0: Yeah, of course. So what I meant by hurting your feelings is, let's say I'm around the table and I find out somebody's being quite bitchy, then I'll be like, look, I feel like you're being bitchy. I'd, I'd say I, I wouldn't do that because it's not fair. And if that makes you feel like, oh, he's just called me a bitch, then so so be. That, that's the case, you know? Yeah, that's, that's reasonable. I mean, it, it ends up
1: uh, doing better in the long run, I think, for both parties.
0: Obviously, I won't just, let's say somebody's wearing something that I don't like. I won't be like, oh, I don't like what you're wearing, because that's not what I do. But I'm on about, if I feel like somebody's not being fair, then I'll call you yeah. out for well, it. Well, I think if know? they ask you for your opinion, like, what do you think of this outfit? Then, but, Oh, yeah. then, of course, yeah. I'll be honest. I won't be yeah. rude, but I'll be like, personally, I don't like it, but that's my personal opinion.
1: Yeah, uh, that question might have been uh, ripe with my own confirmation bias. I'm getting over some stuff. Uh, do you, uh, this, is, this is probably the most random question I've ever asked in an interview, but do you envision any shifts in your career trajectory down the line? Like, have you thought about pivoting into film, politics, or just anything completely out of the blue?
0: you know what i always speak to my partner about this because my partner when you're into fashion you're into you're into a lot of different things when you're in fashion and uh you're into filming singing because you know with fashion comes the the artistic things which is singing fashion so i wouldn't mind getting into uh an acting you know what i wouldn't mind getting into acting you know i've been saying to my partner i'd love to do acting Well, I I mean, there's there's certain things that are
1: fundamental to the human condition. uh, And I do think trade is one of them. I think e-commerce is commerce and commerce is trade because we always need to find ways to supply stuff to each other because no one can do everything. Um, But acting is also one of the fundamentals. So uh, one of the things I encourage people to do is that, you know, most people are acting. Most people are always enhancing or adjusting themselves, even slightly, even subconsciously. But we all do acting like we act differently with each person that we're with. So uh, it's, it's,
0: it's- Yeah, I was about to uh, say to you, we all naturally act, even when we don't think about it. We, even if you don't think about it, we are technically acting, but you just don't mm-hmm. know about it. Well, yeah, and you know, the in, in the last little while, it's uh,
1: law now to wear masks, but really people wear masks their whole lives. Uh, that's why Halloween is my favorite uh, time of the year, because that's the one time of the year people take their masks off. <laughs> all right, I got one more for you. Uh, my other takeaway from the, uh, the tech talks interview was, uh, you talked about self reprogramming, um, and I know I've got habits I need to break. Uh, and I think our listeners, any who are in dire need of breaking some of their habits could stand to do this as well. So how did you start being able to do reprogramming? What are some of the stuff you've been able to reprogram about yourself?
0: Yeah, so i think the first thing that i've been able to reprogram myself on is wanting um wanting approval from people like my whole life i've always wanted people to approve what i'm doing and i've i've, I've completely disconnected from that now i don't care if people approve of what i've done uh, as long as i feel like it's right that's fine i feel like i've been able to reprogram myself based on money um before i feel like when you look at money the traditional way you think of uh employment ways of money um and i've been able to reprogram myself based on working for myself meaning when you work for somebody else um eve you can be very lazy when you work for other people because you're still going to get paid even if you're if, even if you're lazy and get away with it uh, and when you work for yourself if you don't work then trust me you will hit you'll see the damage in your pay because when you work for yourself you can't take any 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 crazy lazy time off because you trust me you'll see a massive difference in it so in terms of reprogram myself it's all about my environment the people that i hang around with the people that i listen to the people that i take advice from um i've, I've basically done a whole terminator dude i've reprogrammed my whole life like if you knew me before you wouldn't even know who, you're like i reckon i could go up to people that went i went to school with and they wouldn't even know who i am now because just i'm not the same person you know yeah, I mean, uh, I haven't met you before, so
1: I will t- uh, take your word for it, but it certainly shows that you've been able to make some significant changes in your life. So uh, whatever it is you you're yeah, doing uh, seems, to, uh, seems to have worked.
0: You know what they say, dude, like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again and expecting a different outcome. So that's something that I used to do a lot of, and I realized it didn't work, so then I changed. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, well, I... Th- yeah, that is uh, that is everything that I have got for you today. Uh, did you want to leave us with any uh, parting wisdom or is there anything you want to draw our attention to?
0: Yeah, so the only wisdom that I'm gonna give people, which is what I'm giving everybody at the moment, is although we're going for a depression at the moment, look at the positive side of things, which is being at home. Most people would never get this amount of time at home because they'll be working at their job. Make sure you make the most of it, whether it be learning something new, whether it be trying something you've never done before, whether it be seeing a family that you weren't able to see before, but just make the most of this time that unfortunately this depression has given us, because if you don't, because trust me, you can, you can get money back, but you can never get time back, so just make the most <laughs> of it. You know,
1: the crazy thing that stuck to me is that 2020 is supposed to be the number that represents hindsight and i don't think considering how each year seems to be going at a quicker pace than the one before it the fact that we've had a year where people were forced to reflect and forced to have their hindsight is to me it's like cosmically appropriate
0: yeah i totally agree dude
1: Excellent. Uh, well, I want to thank you for every minute of your time, and we
0: are going to let you go. Thank you very much for your time today, and I really do appreciate it, and I look forward to seeing this live on the channel. Excellent. So do I.
1: You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please Take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.